Welcome to the Word of God with Father Reed Henserling at All Saints Episcopal Church in Lakeland, Florida. Today we are looking at the week of Five Epiphany or the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany. Now what's the Epiphany? The Epiphany is a special day on January the 6th where we celebrate the coming of the Magi who go to Bethlehem to see Jesus. Remember the star? And they followed the star. They spoke to Herod because Herod wanted to speak to them. But Herod didn't want to see Jesus. Herod wanted to take care of Jesus and kill Jesus because Jesus was a threat to him. The Magi go to see Jesus, but they go a different route so that they do not go back to Herod because Herod wanted them to tell him where Jesus was. But they did not go back to tell Herod. And we celebrate the epiphany, that is the appearing of Jesus. Jesus appears. Jesus is alive. Now, we've been following the daily lectionary for several weeks now. Now we are on the fifth Sunday after the epiphany. And we've been looking at Isaiah and Galatians and the book of Mark. This week, we're going to look at Isaiah and the end of Galatians. And then we're going to take a look at 2 Timothy, Paul's letter to Timothy. He wrote two books to Timothy. And the first, of course, is called 1 Timothy, the second, 2 Timothy. And then we continue Jesus' journey toward his crucifixion in Mark chapter 9 through Mark 10, 52. All right, let's look at Isaiah. Isaiah is an Old Testament prophet. He is prophesying about 700 B.C., we are in the 57th chapter in the week of five epiphany or the fifth Sunday after the epiphany. Now, I've been telling you that the prophet Isaiah has been dealing with the subject of idolatry, the subject of following God versus not following God, trusting idols versus not trusting in idols, idols that cannot speak, idols that cannot hear, idols that cannot talk versus the living God who creates, who makes us, and who can do fantastic things. And so Isaiah is a beautiful book, particularly 40 to 55, 40 to 55 particularly, that talk about the sovereignty of God, the power of God, the presence of God in our daily lives. Isaiah 57, 14 to 21, and it shall be said, verse 14, Build up, build up, prepare the way, remove every obstruction from my people's way. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who creates and inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high. So he's telling them, this is who I am. So Isaiah is so wonderful because he identifies who God is, tells us more about who God is. And so I hope that you will enjoy these scriptures. He says at the end, in verse 20 of chapter 57, the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says God, for the wicked. So we have this contrast between the good, those are the ones that follow the Lord and trust the Lord. The wicked, those who trust in idols, those who trust in themselves, those who do not follow the ways of the Lord. We continue this teaching with Isaiah 58. Verse 1, cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people, this is, he's talking to Isaiah. Declare to my people the transgression to the house of Jacob their sins. 
So one of the things that the prophet does, and this is not an easy thing to do, is he tells the people about their sins. Why? Because the people need to repent of their sins in order to be saved. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no acknowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. And so, again, this is in Isaiah 58. We have this dialogue with God. We have the dialogue between the prophet and God. We have the dialogue between God and the people of Israel. We have the dialogue between the prophet and the people of Israel as he tells them what he wants them to do and how he wants them to respond to the Lord. In Isaiah 59, the, the, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, verse 1, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. So that's great news for all of us. God can save us, no matter how bad our situation is, and God can heal us, and God can hear us. He can hear your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his place from you so that he does not hear. Now, what is the obstacle that causes God not to hear our sin? What is the obstacle that causes God not to respond to us? Our separation from God, which is caused by our sin, which is caused by our transgressions. And so he begins to share with you how significant that is and how important that is. Again, enjoy the reading. He says in verse 7 of chapter 59, Their feet run to evil, and they are swift to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Desolation and destruction are in their highways. And so evil is something to be taken very seriously. Evil is something that the believer wants to move away from, wants to get away from wants not to walk upon that path, all right? In chapter 58, verse 15, truth is lacking. He who departs from evil makes himself a prey. The Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. One of the other themes that we see in the prophets is the idea of justice, the idea of righteousness, the idea of right doing, the idea of obeying God and listening to his cry. There may be persecution and there may be separation from people and you might get suffer for that, but it is better to follow the Lord than to do evil. In chapter 60, we continue on. Isaiah is quite long, isn't it? It's 66 chapters. Lift your eyes all around, verse 4, and see. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. They shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult. And in that famous first verse, Arise, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will be set upon you. So darkness inhabits the land. People are separated from God. They need a savior. God brings light in the midst of darkness. If he does not bring that light, the people stay in darkness. And so, again, we see the power of the Lord. We see the wisdom of the Lord. Remember, I've said in previous weeks that we also have a situation where God is Lord of all the nations, that he actually brings the nations into his conversation. He actually chastises the nations, and he sends his wrath upon them when they do things against the will of God and against the people of God. Be very careful about that. Again, enjoy your reading of Isaiah this coming week. 
And finally, the 61st chapter, which is a wonderful chapter. And again, we have the, um, kind of a messianic uh, verse here in chapter 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. So the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Jesus in the New Testament. And he comes upon him and he anoints him to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim, in verse 2, the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And so he has this beautiful picture of the Spirit of God coming upon this individual, who I believe happens to be Jesus ultimately. And he works through this person to bring righteousness and hope and peace to the people of God. And of course, that is what we love. You look at, read down a little bit in chapter 61, verse 8, the Lord loves justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring, verse 9, shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see shall acknowledge them for they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. And then he talks about rejoicing in the Lord. Again, it's just over and over again, these wonderful words which extend the importance of the justice of God. They extend the importance of knowing God. It extends the idea that God will have mercy upon us and he will save us. But he also will bring wrath for those who do not obey the Lord. This last day, Sunday, goes through Isaiah 62, verse 5, 62 verse 5. He says in verse 2 of chapter 62, the nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. Again, wonderful scriptures, wonderful texts, wonderful verses. Read them slowly. Think about what they say. Keep in mind what God is saying to you as you know and consider what he's saying to those 7th century BC people of Israel. Now, we finish up with Galatians chapter 6. Galatians has six chapters. It's quite an extraordinary book. After 2 Corinthians, we find the book of Galatians. Go to the sixth chapter, and we are looking at verses 11 through 18. 11 through 18. Galatians chapter 6, 11 to 18, which ends the chapter. Now, he's been talking about justification by faith. He's been talking about the importance of the law, how the law works with faith and does not work with faith. And so he says a couple of beautiful lines here from 11 to 18. But far from it for me, this is verse 14, to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. That's a beautiful line. 15 is good too. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. God wants us to be new. He wants to make us new people. So the physical act of circumcision is not nearly as important as the spiritual act of us becoming new people. I also love verse 16. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. He says in verse 17, the second half, I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. And finally, in verse 18, and this is my prayer for all of you, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirits, brothers. Amen.
May God's grace be always with you as you continue to follow him. Now we jump over to 2 Timothy. Now 2 Timothy was written by Paul, and we believe that it was his last writing. His last writing. And a very profound end of his life teaching. And so he begins by thanking God for Timothy. And he longs to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, he says to Timothy. Timothy is a very, very powerful person and a person that came after Paul and was um, discipled by Paul and a very significant figure. But here's a verse that you might like in verse 7. Again, you're looking forward to reading all of uh, the four chapters of Timothy, 2 Timothy. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Now, those are three things that we want to have a lot of in our life. Power, love, and self-control. If you can have those three things, you're going to be in really good shape. Now, God Almighty is not giving us a spirit of fear. We are not to be afraid. We are to trust the Lord, and we are to have the power of God, the love of God, and self-control in terms of our daily living. So, again, please look through uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 as we go into chapter 2. Remember Jesus Christ, verse 8, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Paul was in chains when he wrote 2 Timothy, but he said the word of God is not bound. He is preaching, he is teaching the word of God. He is taking it seriously, and that word is going out, and that is fabulous. Verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed and who rightly handles the word of truth. Okay? Present yourself to God as one approved. Do not be ashamed. Rightly handle the word of truth. Beautiful lines for all of us to take very, very seriously in our walk with God. Again, what you want to do is you're reading the daily lectionary. You want to read it daily. Don't try to read it all at one time. Don't try to get behind. I know you're not trying to get behind, but you, you want to make sure that you don't get behind because it's just too much information at one time in one reading. So we divide it up over the course of a year so that we're reading something every day to fill ourselves with the Word of God. All right? I love verse 22 for those of you that are listening that are younger. Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. In chapter 3, he talks about godliness in the last days. That's certainly quite common in our world today. People will be lovers of self, verse 2, chapter 3. Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unapproachable, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, etc., etc., etc. Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. Avoid such people. Okay. Now, as we go through chapter 3, we have this wonderful verse in verse 14. As for you, continue in what you have learned and faithfully believed and firmly believed, I should say, knowing from whom you've learned it 
Now, it's important to learn. This is why I'm doing this opportunity to share the Word of God and encouraging you to read the Scriptures on a daily basis so you can learn, so you can know, so you can make good decisions, so you will know what God wants you to do. You don't know what to do unless God tells you what to do, and He's got to tell you in such a way that you will know. And much of that knowing can happen by reading the Scriptures. Verse 15, how from childhood, infancy, You've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. God breathed these scriptures into being so that you and I will know what is true. All scriptures breathed out by God, verse 16. And what is it profitable for? Teaching, rebuke, reproof, correction, training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work so that you will know what you have to do. What is the goal of the daily lectionary? Not only to know what God sounds like and who he is, but also to know what is it I'm supposed to believe? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to act? And a lot of those questions are answered in the scriptures. And finally, 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 8, verse 7, it's quite famous. Paul says, he's at the end of his life, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but all who have longed his appearing, or longed for his appearing, or loved his appearing. So at the end of our lives, you want to be able to say, the time of my departure has come. He's He's talking about dying there. And he says, I've done everything I can do. I've fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have finished what I was supposed to do. I completed. And he says, I have kept the faith with the faith being the doctrine of the faith. I've kept it. Now I'm going to have a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, remember there'll be a judgment at the end of your life. And he is going to give it to me. And he's also going to give it to those people who can say the same thing, who have lived the same way in terms of being faithful to God. And so If you are interested in the last words of one of the great people that's ever lived, these are some of his last words that are given to us in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And then he has some uh, pastoral words for us at the end of chapter 2, if you would like to uh, read those uh, after you finish uh, Sunday's reading, Saturday's reading. In our gospel reading, we go now back to Mark. We've been in Mark for some time now. What the lectionary likes to do is stay in a particular book for a good length of time so that we can learn from that book. We are in chapter 9, verse 30, and he's talking about him foretelling his death and resurrection. Now, did the disciples understand what he was saying? No, because when it was time for him to die, they didn't, they were greatly terrified they were concerned they were fearful and they did not think there was any hope left even though Jesus had told them very plainly when he is killed after three days he will rise he said he was going to rise from the dead but they didn't comprehend that but I'm glad that's written down in the scriptures he also has this incredible verse in chapter 9 at the end of chapter 9 about um who's the greatest and who's the servant of all and who should sit on his right and to his left. And Jesus says, if anyone wants to be first, he has to be the last. He has to be the servant of all. 
Jesus continues to teach at the end of Mark chapter 9. So remember what is going on. He's getting ready. He's moving toward Jerusalem to die. He's continuing to preach. He's continuing to teach. He's continuing to do miracles. In chapter 10, he talks about a subject that a lot of people have a great interest in, and that is the subject of divorce. And then he has the story about the rich young ruler who comes to him saying, um, he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you only lack one thing. You do, all you have to do is one thing. Sell all you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Sell everything you have. Disheartened by the saying, the Bible says, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions, so he couldn't give up his possessions. Now, this is another great example. This is not technically, obviously, a parable, but Jesus has run-ins with people. He has confrontations with people. He has relationships with people on some level, some of them quite shallow, but some of them a little bit deeper. And we learn from the scriptures how he wants us to handle that and deal with those kinds of things. And so, sadly, the rich young man goes away, sad. And then Jesus teaches his disciples about the importance of that particular action that he has taken. There's also a request from James and John at the end of the chapter about uh, what do you want me to do from you? You want to sit on my right and my left. Another idea, uh, we want to be baptized with the baptism that you want to be baptized with. We're willing to suffer for you. Again, Jesus reminds them, if you want to be great, you need to be the servant. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And finally, before we have his entry into Jerusalem in chapter 11, we have the healing of blind Bartimaeus, another healing, to demonstrate that Jesus' power is absolute and it is very profound. So again, we have in the readings that you'll see for this week in Mark chapter 9 and 10, we have teaching, we have time with the Pharisees and Sadducees, we have encountering with people that are in need of his care or in need of asking him questions, which he responds to. And then, of course, he does this miracle by healing someone that cannot see, which is an extraordinary miracle, to say the least. So, in your week this week, I pray and hope that you'll have a blessed time of reading Isaiah and 2 Timothy and Mark's gospel. Listen to what the Lord says to you as you are reading those scriptures. God bless you, and we'll see you next time for the Word of God.